Well, for the past seven months or so, we've been, I've been saying turn your Bibles to 1 Peter. Next week will be our last time in 1 Peter. And you thought, how in the world can a small book have so much to offer? Or, and I hope you've been blessed by that. We'll take a break probably for a week, and then we're going to get into the book of Jude for the rest of the year. So I encourage you, the Jude is such a small book, doesn't mean you're not going to get a lot out of it, but it doesn't even have technically chapters because you can just read them once. So I want to encourage you, like with First Peter, that you uh, read Jude at least once a week and uh, kind of have in your mind the things that it, it has on there. Also on Wednesday nights, uh, I think you're missing out on a gym, not because of me, but just we have at, at 7 o'clock, we... Uh, the youth have something going on, the children have something going on, and then we meet in here and we've been going over First Peter. And Yeah, we're a few weeks behind, so we'll still be in First Peter, but we're just kind of unpackaging the things I've been preaching about, and I, I feel everybody's been getting blessed, and we have a great conversation and just kind of get deeper into the Word. So uh, that's at 7 o'clock. You know, again, everything's there at basschapel.church, and so... Today we're going to be in 1 Peter, obviously, and we're going to be in chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11, and then next week we'll finish up 1 Peter. And um, I don't know about you guys, but the older you get, the more you realize, hey, should I lift that? Should I move that? Or should I get somebody else to do that? You know, um, you'll get it as you get older, because when you're younger, you think, hey, you know, I can do about anything. And so... You know, after we had a great time uh, last Sunday after church uh, with the with families from VBS, and we had the block party trailer, and Heather and I had gotten the trailer from our association, which is a group of churches that band together to do missions better, and so we were going to take it back that day, and so we got the trailer loaded up, not by ourselves. We had a lot of great people do that. We got the trailer ready to go. We get back to the association and Heather and I were just having a pleasant talk on how to back up the trailer, you know, because uh, I've tried to follow some of you that are experts on backing up a trailer, but I still don't have it down. But I was letting Heather do it because I trust her more myself. But, you know, we were having a, f a bit of conversation on getting the trailer in the right spot straight. And so anyway, if you go to the association, you'll see it in the corner cockeyed. So, you know, kind of not straight, you know, and so... So that's a term for not straight, okay? And so anyway, but in that process, you know, on a trailer, you know, it's good, especially when you got uh, concrete or something that you're setting a trailer hitch on after you unhook it. It's kind of good to have it on a block so you don't tear up the concrete or whatever. And association was nice enough to have a block with the block party trailer. Isn't that cool? Block, block party trailer. And so I put the block down, and then I unhitched the trailer from the from the uh, truck and you know it was part of the hitch was off of that wooden block and it's like boy I wouldn't want that to slide and get me in the foot or somebody else in the foot and so me being a superstar you know because I've done it before I'm just going to lift up on that trailer you know and I'm just going to move that over and you know what it went horribly um, and yes I went to the chiropractor the next day so um, and I don't normally but yeah I did and so so we had to hook the trailer back up so I could get it and then get the block in position. But, you know, so many times in life, there's stuff that we try to move ourselves. And what's interesting, you could talk to some of these older people, you know, they, when they were uh, younger, they didn't worry about their back. And so now they're paying for it now, you know. But 
what does it work harder, uh, work smarter, not harder, that kind of a thing. And so many times when we're younger, uh, we're like, I can do that. And we're, I'm talking about physical strength. But in life, that still extends, doesn't matter on age. A lot of times, well, I can handle that. I can move that. And the problem with that conversation is I. Um, it needs to be in the right thing. And so in life, we struggle sometimes to move the things that we're suffering from. Some of them are caused by ourselves. So it's our will and our obedience. But what about those things we didn't ask for? It wasn't our fault and can't move them. We struggle to just stand and we struggle not to be moved because there's another thing too, you know. You, sometimes you can move something and it may be heavier than you and it kind of moves you back, you know. And we can choose to be moved or to be unmovable. That's the title of this sermon today. And so like the children of Israel when they were uh, leaving Egypt and they were at the Red Sea and, and they're, they're between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And a verse that has guided my life, and I keep seeing God show up over and over again, is there in Exodus 14, 14, where he says, you have only to be silent and the Lord will fight for you. Don't move. Be quiet. Let God do it. And so your action step today, and, and your point's going to spell out the word moved, moved, okay, is don't be moved. Now, everything in me wants to run when there's adversity. Everything in me naturally wants to do something else. Or in a, a, it's not just a man, but you want to fix it. And you want to get it, and, and you want to get it right. And because you think, I'm not taking care of my family if I don't. And those are all good things on a base level, but there's a point, there's a lot of stuff we can't fix. And there's a lot of stuff we just got to stand and not be moved. And boy, how are we going to do that? Because on my own, I either want to fix it, I want to push back, or I want to get out of there. Fight or flight. And even though uh, we will, so what we talked about last, uh, the week before, uh, even though we will win in the end, we will suffer, and, and we have, have to deal with that right now. And I, I think if you, those of you that kind of halfway been paying attention as we've gone through First Peter, the theme of it is like how to endure suffering. I mean, if you were to ask me before, I mean, I've read 1 Peter. I wouldn't have said that was the main thing. But over and over again, he says, why are you surprised when you suffer? If you suffer, like we talked about last Wednesday night, if you suffer for Christ, you're joined and associated with him. But not making light, we focus on the suffering because Satan wants us to focus on the suffering instead of the Savior. And so what happens... So now Peter's getting into what happens when it's all done. How does God keep and preserve us? Uh, and the fact is, he does this because we're not alone. Let's look at verses 10 through 11 here. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back and kind of unpack it here. But verse 10 of chapter 5. And after you have suffered a little while, while the God of, grace, God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We will suffer and we will have pain now. Oh, Pastor, you're really exciting, and that really encouraged me today. But see, here's the problem. Yes, 
if you were to ask me, you, you know, I went to a funeral of a 99-year-old saint, and there was a lot of people there, so that should tell you a lot about him. And I, would, I, I had the pleasure of being his pastor for 11 years. And the fact, I had the pleasure also of sometimes riding in the car with him and being on mission trips and, and doing all these things. And, and you could look at him and see that he was a man of probably no importance if you just looked at him. But if you sat there and you listened to him, you saw he was a loving man. Obviously, if you're 99 and you've got a church packed full of people, because I don't mean it's in a bad way. At 99, 100, most of your friends and people know you. It's like uh, they've either gone on or they can't get out to see you. But I remember his name was Cloyd. I remember his name, obviously. But um, several times how he just had this love and this peace and how he had been through adversity, but how somehow he had learned what was happening here not to be moved. He had been through a lot, and he loved people, and he was willing to help people. And not perfect at all, but that's what God wants us to be. That's the goal. And so his life had had suffering, you know, and his life had had pain, yet he wasn't moved. How? Let's kind of talk about today because, you know, somebody says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to punch you or I'm going to do this to you. You know, and I don't like shots. I know. And, but... You know, when I know they're going to give me a shot, well, why aren't you looking over there? Because I want you to look at that 12-inch needle you're going to stick in my arm and go through this way. I, I just freaked all of you out. But, you know, that may be going on in my mind. It's like, get it over with and let's go. Okay, that kind of thing. And so many times we want to focus on the pain. We want to focus on what's happening. So let's look at the grief first in the first part of Tim. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Suffering is temporary because he says a little while. And compared to eternity. We are, we are stuck in time until we die to go, go with God if we, if we made that decision. And so we're like, look at time on a ruler, but that ruler's gone when it comes to God. And so that suffering seems like this. And I'm not making light of it. I'm not making light of anything that you're going through and anything that you've gone through, but we have either we're going to guide our lives and how we think through a biblical worldview or not. And so this is God saying this, not me, that suffering is for a little while. That little while may be your, your whole physical life here. Again, I'm not making light of it at all. But we need to understand. He says it's, it's, it's a little while compared to forever. Suffering is temporary compared to eternity. And so how do we endure that suffering while we're here? God of all grace. God is gracious, and he gives us grace in the suffering. It may be in the form of, of the spoken word. It's definitely in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's definitely in the form of his word that you bring back to you that guides you through this and his presence. It may be the fact that he shows you his grace and favor in so many ways as you go through things. We can first know that it's temporary. Second, know that God gives us grace and he's gracious. And again, the 23rd Psalm has wasted too much on funerals because you need to read the whole thing. <coughs> you know, valley of the shadow of death. We got that one down. But what about the fact that he leads us in the pastures and that we can set down the presence of our enemies and eat a meal? And we will dwell at the end in the house of the Lord forever. You need to go back and read that and realize it's not just for a funeral, it's for your life. And so, that's God's grace. 
God is eternal and he saves us forever from suffering. So go back to this. After you've suffered for a little while, temporary, the God of all grace, he's gracious, going to give us grace to help us to endure these things. If you know him as Savior and you've made that decision and, he, and you've answered that call, you are called to eternal glory with Christ in heaven. See, we're all going to live forever. The question is, you choose where? Either eternal separation and punishment from God or with God. Your choice. He's done his part. He's paid for our sins. We have to make the choice. But when we choose Christ, we can know that God is eternal and God will save us forever. We need to have these things in our mind when we're suffering. But so many times we're focused on the pain. You know? Your first feeling, we don't move because God makes a way to endure. God makes a way to endure. That way, first of all, was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John 14, 7, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. John uh, 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that who shall believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the way to God. You have to choose to take that way. And so you can endure and you can, I'm not going to be moved. And maybe you've been there before, but... When you know you have, you may be facing that adversity, you may be facing that suffering, but you know that you have the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. If God goes in front of you, His glory guides behind you and guards you. It's like if you had an older sibling or, 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 or you knew you had backup. We need to understand that. That's why we can choose not to be moved because they're not going to move me because the Lord... It's guiding and guarding. God uses suffering to perfect us. Notice the as we get into 10, man, 10, you've got four terms here that we're going to look at, okay? And so suffering's for a little bit. God gives us grace through the suffering, and we need to look at the end, the fact that the eternal glory, everything's going to be made right, you know, and, you know, understanding we're not going to have to struggle with all this, all this stuff, you know? I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day, and, and she goes, let's talk about heaven, what that's going to be like. And we were all sharing as a family on the fact of, well, you're not going to have to be laying in that bed, and you're not going to have to have help, and we're not going to have to have that suffering and that pain. That's worth looking towards, you know. But notice what he does now and what he's going to do. He himself, so nobody else, this is Christ and the Holy Spirit, Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. So let's unpackage this. He restores us. He perfects us. He sets it right. Uh, Paul talks about these foundations. And, you know, you can, maybe some of you have farms where there's an, there's an old foundation in a farmhouse. There is on ours, and it's, it's still there. You know, you can see the foundation laid out. The house isn't there anymore, but... A lot of you know from how they had to build these things out of whatever, and those that are still there, that must have been made out of a good foundation. And what we need to understand, a lot of us are trying to build our lives, and, and Jesus talked about the parable, the one that built his house upon the sand, and the winds and the waves and the storm came, and everything was crushed. That's what most people are trying to do without Christ. But the one who built their life upon the rock, Jesus Christ, the foundation, the cornerstone in which we measure the whole foundation, 
will not be moved. And so the first thing we got to do is some of you, you know, I still go back to, uh, you know, when we were, and hopefully we'll have another bonfire. Not right now. It's too dry and we'll burn everything up. But, you know, we got a fire ring out there and, and uh, you know, all of us guys were out there. Let's get this fire ring set up. And I'm not going to name names, but it's Rick Farrell, you know, but, um, but, <laughs> but a lot of us hide our OCD pretty well. I'm OCD. And so we're all this, uh, I'm just like, hey, let's just do this, you know, and that's me. Okay, let's put these blocks out. And it was driving everybody nuts, you know. Not because of me. It's like you got to get that that those rocks just right and tight and all that kind of thing. And that's so many times in our life we haphazardly try to build something on a foundation that won't last. How many houses? Well, this is a floodplain. Really? You know. Hey, let's build this with a material that's not going to stand like that. But the first thing we have to do is do it right. And so as we were doing that out there, getting it right, let's set it off this, and then it goes here and whatever. That's what Christ, when he says he's the cornerstone, everything from him is measured for the foundation. But everything in our life says, no, I can measure my life. I can set my life right. How's that working for you? Because I'm a mess without Jesus. And I'm still a mess, but at least I got Jesus, you know? He perfects us. He sets things right. First of all, that we can have a right relationship with God. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Before that, we couldn't come to God because all we saw was our sin. But when we receive Christ and he sees what Christ has done, and we can be restored in relationship. And if you were here last week, I was talking about that relationship started with a solid line. And sin broke that line and Christ came down to heal that relationship and our brokenness. And so does that mean we're automatically perfect? Oh, yeah, when I was saved, I was just suddenly perfect. Yeah, right. But I'm saved, and I'm secure, and I'm in a relationship with my God. And so he's in the process of perfecting me. Yeah, I'm not done yet. The Instapot's still on, okay? All right. But, you know, he's in that process of working in those areas of life. And every area that he wants to work on, I have to say yes to. And sometimes, I know it's hard to believe, I don't easily say yes. But he's working on perfecting us, setting us right. Hebrews 13, 21 says this, Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So his goal is not, I'm just going to clean you up. His goal is like the VBS uh, verse in Ephesians uh, 2.10, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, which he prepared beforehand for us to do those works. And so what we need to understand is he's perfecting us to use us. He's fine-tuning us, and we've got to allow him to do that. To do what? To do whatever we want? No. We do whatever we want, we're going to get in trouble. To do his will. And his will is always good, because everything he made was good. And how does he do it? Through Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey him. Everybody wants to obey God, but notice what the second part of the verse says, And the power to do it. Through Christ, that's what he says here. So your next film, we can be immovable because we are a work in process of an ongoing restoration. You know, before HGTV, you know, and I still turn there sometimes, and, and I'm not into HGTV. I'm not against you if you are, okay, all right? But we all remember this old house, okay? 
and it, you couldn't watch it all the time. It only came on once a week. And I don't know why. Maybe it's like looking at a car wreck, but it took them like 20 years to finish one house. Okay, but you tune in. Hey, today we're we're uh, scraping paint, you know, or whatever, or whatever. But you know, and then and then when Joplin, the tornado came uh, came along. Um, Extreme Home Makeover was still on, and they came in and did seven houses in seven days, and, and Heather and I and a lot of people in our church were able to, to, to be a part of that. But if you ever got into Extreme Home Makeover when it first started, they were trying to restore a house, you know, and then after maybe season one, they thought, hey, here's how we're going to restore the house. First step, bulldozer. Okay, second step, build a new house. Okay, anybody that has done a restoration of a house, it's not easy. Okay, because angles, it was interesting, the house that we have in Joplin, you know, I don't understand, but our, our bathroom there is, is two by sixes instead of two by fours, which, hey, that's great. And it was square. Everything else wasn't square, but it was, it was square. So I don't know. Maybe that guy had it, was, was really with it that day. I don't know when he did it. But the thing about it is, is if you've been in a house that's old, you felt like, wow, what do we do next? What do we fix next? And... That's us. God is working on us. It's an ongoing... See, that book, it's a really good little book. We went through it, My Heart, Christ's Home. Imagine Christ. You invite him in to your life to save you and to be a part of your life, but you just let him stay in the entryway of your home. And, he, and, and Christ says, hey, what's that door? Well, that's my living room, but it's a little in disarray, so I don't want you to go in there. Like if I came to your house, uh, used to the pastor visit and all that kind of stuff, I'm not going to visit unless we know, okay? And honestly, I'm not looking at your house and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we're all like that. If somebody shows up unexpectedly, oh, is the toilet clean? Uh, oh, do, are the clothes off the, not the, I've been there for, okay? But um, are the clothes off the couch or whatever, you know? And you're not ever going to go in my bedroom. We won't get into making the bed thing, but when, when I graduated from my family and my, my mom's house, and I love my mom, we had to make our bed every day. So what I did is I slept on top of the bed with a blanket and just straightened it out because I didn't want to make the bed. And if you go to my house, if, if I purposely want you to come into my bedroom, the bed will be made. Other than that, the door's shut. Okay, all right, uh, because, okay, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really dividing things theologically in the church, bed made, bed unmade, but whatever, okay, but go, go, go into the house, I don't know what that had to do with restoration, but, you know, a lot of you in these old houses, it's like, I got to set that right, but I go back to Christ coming in your house, and, you, and he says, hey, what's in here? I don't want you to go in there, because my bed's unmade. I don't want you to go in there, because I haven't vacuumed. You think Christ is really going to care? He, he wants to go in there because the point of that book, it's a little booklet, is this. If you let me in, I'll start setting it right. You're holding the key to the door. And so it's an ongoing restoration, and it's based on your will. A lot of times our restorations are based on our bank book or based on our time. I'm going to do that someday. You know, my family was awesome growing up, but I remember we had a room that had tar paper on it for a while. And it wasn't because my family was bad. Couldn't afford it. Wasn't time for it. And then when you get the kids out and have a little bit more money, guess what? That room's restored now. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But I, that's our life. Jesus is saying, if you let me in there, I'll set it right. But guess who it depends on? You. God doesn't just say, set us right, but 
he, notice the next word, he confirms us. And a lot of us, depending on our background, think, well, was that when I grow up and take a class and then I'm part of the church? That's, that is a word, and it happens in some denominations. But that, that word means to make stable, to support, to guide, to confirm, to put his seal upon us. So not only does he set us right on the foundation of Christ, and if we let him, he measures our life, but then he puts his seal of approval saying, yes, I agree with this because you allowed me to make it right in your life. And we see this example in Christ and the disciples in Luke twenty-two thirty-two says this, but I also prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And he was talking to Peter. And that, that's a really, I mean, I'm glad if you want anybody to pray for you, you want Jesus to pray for you, obviously, because I think his prayers are going to get heard. Okay, all right, um, and we won't get into God talking to himself. Okay, anyway, <laughs> you can talk about that at lunch. But anyway, but he was talking about Peter. Guess who wrote this? So we've been through for seven months. Peter, he told him, you're going to be tested. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Well, can uh, John do that, God? <laughs> I'll, I'll let that, no. But notice what Jesus says after that. But I prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen the disciples. And so this is what he's saying. You know, you're saved and you're suffering, but you're going to make it through. Your next film, we can choose not to be moved because he gives us victorious support. Need a good V word there, okay? Victorious support. So many times we're like, oh, yeah, I've got Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we're in it together. We don't have to be yippy-skippy, but the thing about it is, who is Jesus? Who is God? Is there anyone above him? No. We're going to get into that in a minute. And so he doesn't just say, they're there. Hope you make it through it like we do so many times, praying for you. None of those things are bad in themselves. But we have victorious support. We're suffering right now, and if we're suffering for Christ, we know that we are associated with Him, but we know that it's temporary. We know He gives us grace through it, and guess what? We are victorious because He wins in the end. The war is over. We are dealing with skirmishes. And so He's not just going to halfway, there, there, hope you make it. No, it's like, I'm there. You have only to be silent, and the Lord will fight for you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Those do not sound like halfway supports and sentiments. That word, so we can have that victorious support. We can choose not to be moved. Look at the next one, because he uses the word strengthen. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory, explanatory, explanatory uh, whatever. Okay, he makes us strong. Philippians 4.13, as I mentioned, I can do some things. No, I can do all things. Notice all these verses through my own will, trying to move that trailer myself. Good luck with that or through Christ who gives me strength. Again, we're all like, I can do it. And, and the sin of self, I can do it. We're like that little kid that you know they can't lift it, or that older man that you know he can't lift it. Well, I can do this. I used to do it. Just, just take all your strength, your core. I have no core other than an apple or something being cored. I don't know. But, you know, and do it. You know, that adrenaline, you know, lift a body, lift a truck. No, that didn't happen the other day. I can do all things through who? Through Christ 
who gives me strength, not to just get through it, but to endure while I'm going through it. Christ strengthens us to establish us. Look at the next word. So he strengthens us and he establishes us. He grounds us. He settles us. Think about it. It, you're, you're, You're in Christ's strength. It takes strength not to move. In this society today, we are being hemmed in on all sides, and if you clearly present the Word of God or believe the Word of God or follow the Word of God, everything and everyone is trying to move you from that. Here is culture, and the stream is going down this way, and just like in the series Chosen, we need to be the fish going this way. And if you've ever been in a stream or a place where the current is hard, and it is hard to go against the current. I shall not be moved. He gives you the strength to stand. You go to Ephesians chapter 6 and he talks about spiritual warfare. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. And you know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rules, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness. So we're not fighting people, we're fighting Satan, and we're not fighting our own. We're fighting him through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And right before he gets into the armor of God, when he says this, when all you can do is stand, stand. Oh my goodness. Even your pastor. It's like, boy, if if they see I have that Bible, or I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I do. But if they see that, they're just going to jump on me and they're going to get on me. If I speak up when you tell me to speak up, they're going to... And they may. Ephesians 14, 14. You have only to be silent and the Lord will fight for you. Let's let's talk about this. I encourage you to go back and read that this week. Okay, if, uh, I said Ephesians, but it's Exodus. Exodus 14, 14. Because they're not only against... They're not only against the Red Sea and Pharaoh. God told them just to like go this way, then go this way. And the reason he told them to do that, because Pharaoh's watching from a hillside and goes, they're scared. They don't know what they're doing. Let's go get them. (coughs) The world right now is saying, yeah, those Christians, man, they think they're better than everybody else. No, I don't. I'm a sinner saved by grace, struggling to let God set me right in those they don't, they're over here, they're over there. The reason they think that right now is because a lot of you are just not standing. And that, that standing does not mean I'm going to push you with this stuff. I'm going to hit you over the head with it because I talk about 1 Peter 3.15 every week. Give a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and with peace. I guarantee you, though, if you don't move on something when it's presented to you, you're going to need strength to stand. Church. As we go through the waters, and it's always been this way, nothing has changed. If we're going to stand, not everybody, especially the world, is going to like it. And that stand is like saying this, no, I love you, but God's word says that's not right, so I can't accept you as a member. I love you, but God's word says this is how we're saved. You know, And, and membership isn't as important as, a, as membership into eternity with Christ. But notice what he does here. We need his strength to stand on the foundation, and he grounds us and settles us, you know? And he places us on the, his firm foundation. Your, last, your next fill-in here, we can choose not to be moved because God establishes and strengthens us. See, here's the problem. 
Man, I, I love that Carrie Underwood prayer, Jesus take the will. Okay, she got some theology going on there, you know. And the thing about it is, is there's a lot of times I'm not trying to be curt about it. You just need to be, God, I can't handle this. I'm going to need you. But so many times, I can do it. I can move it. No. Establish and strengthen us. We can choose not to be moved because of who God is and what he controls. Look at the last verse there, verse 11. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To him only, to God, does all praise and power and glory come from. And that, that means to be. That's an existing term. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's eternal. And that word dominion means power and strength. You kind of get a common theme here. If you're going to not be moved, it's God that you're going to have to trust in to not move you. But we're like Peter. When Christ called him out on the water, he was doing good as long as he focused on Christ. This is why I've had to learn verses on focus. Wish you get focused in the sermon, Pastor. No. 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, for I've decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Isaiah 26.3, he will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Peter was doing good until he got his eyes off Jesus. He listened to the wind. He saw the waves and he started to sink. It applies to us right here that we need to look, we can stand because we're focusing on that Christ has the power forever and ever and the strength eternally that we can stand firm, standing on the solid rock. We can choose not to be moved, and we can choose not to move because God is immovable. Because God is all-powerful. Because, your last fill-in, he dominates forever. That's a cool saying. He dominates. God dominates. Yeah, he does. All dominion. All glory. And so, we have to understand, just like that trailer, I had to have help to move it. No, I didn't have Heather come out and do it. I, had, I said nicely, which I didn't. Okay. We backed the truck up, put it back on there. I let the truck help me, okay, put the block back down and got it right. All right? We, what help do you need today? Some of you are dealing with some things. Now, this is another thing. A lot of times you're like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody anything. Well, you don't have to share everything, but guess what? Why are we here? Because it's not just for this service. Church is family, established in Acts, so it's biblical. And we are to meet together, even as we see the day approaching more. And it's not just meetings, but living life together. But we need to find those people that we trust and share those burdens and, and stop trying to do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't endure suffering by ourselves. So today in this season, I've got some questions for you. Your first one, how are you trying to endure or how are you enduring? Well, I, I did okay, but I'm not facing anything. You're either going into trouble, in the middle of trouble, or coming out of trouble. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I give you my peace. You need to ask yourself honestly today and this season, how am I enduring whatever I'm going through? Next question. Are, are you restoring? Jesus is quietly waiting wherever you left him in your life and you know the door you're not op wanting to open to him, what's it going to hurt you? 
Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray or whatever and just say today. It doesn't have to be in front of here or talk to me or do, do whatever. But it's like, God, I'm going to let you into this area of my life. I'm going to let you restore that. You're saved, but there's a lot of rooms that he could make better and help you with. Are you restoring? Your next question, um, whose strength are you using? I can do it. Just throw up your hands. Realize you can't do anything. I can't. The only reason, guys, the only reason I'm still here is realizing, God, if it's going to happen, it's going to have to be you. I can do all things. So whose strength are you trying to do it? And your next question, how, how established are you? Some of you are going through some stuff, and I'm not, I'm not making light of it, but some of you are going through some stuff that would crush me or, or move me. And you're not any better or any worse than anybody else, but obviously God wouldn't have put that in your life if he didn't say, look, stand. You have only to be silent and I'll fight for you because every time that's happened in my life, that's why that verse is so core. Every time he shows up in a big way. Kind of moving, being pushed on. You know what you need to do? Like a little child when they're scared, you need to lean into Jesus. You need to hold on tightly. How established are you? And lastly, the last question I have for you, what's dominating your life? Whose power are you putting yourself under? Most of us, it's not the fact, well, I'm worshiping this other than God. What it is is we're worshiping ourselves. We're going to have a time of invitation as we stand on our feet and heads bowed. A lot of questions today. You may need to pray, and just because the world is just like pushing on you hard, and we'll pray with you or come and use this altar. This altar is not to just because you got sin in your life. Prayer is an important thing. But there's a couple of things. First of all, you're going to be pushed all the way around if you don't have Christ. Come and receive Christ today. And if you receive Christ, any of these areas that you need to lay down, the only way you're not going to be moved is if you stand on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask whatever, however anybody needs to be obedient today, that they will follow you. In your name, Jesus, amen.